Hey, good morning and welcome to Breakthrough Walls. I'm Ken Walls and I'm your host. And today I have a really cool dude on. You're, you're going to love this guy. His name is Israel Duran and stay with us. We'll be right back. But listen, share this out. Go ahead and share it out so everybody can hear this guy. You're going to be blown away by him. So hang tight. Be right back. And we are back. Let me bring the man, Israel Duran, on. Welcome to the show. Thank you, sir. Thank you for having me. I love that intro, by the way. Thank you. The year breakthrough. It's about breaking through walls. I, I, I really, I started this, honestly, to, to help myself. I, I was like, okay, I got to interview people, hear their stories about how they broke through. And because look, as an entrepreneur, just in life, yep. we all like hit those walls and don't know how we're going to get through. And, and, you know, somehow we, we always figure it out. So I'm really grateful to have you here, man. And I apologize for my voice. It's been gone. It's just now coming back. So, um, but here we are. Yes. So, so start with telling everybody where you were born and raised. Great question. So I was born and raised in Danbury, Connecticut, small town in, in Connecticut. And uh, growing up, you know, I went through some things, you know, went through some things. I, I guess you could call it walls, walls that have uh, been in front of me. You know, I grew up with my my mother. My mother raised me and my sister until I was about five years old. My stepfather uh, came into my life when I was about five. Uh, and I grew up with some strong parents, you know, that raised me up to understand life. Uh, the thing, though, Ken, that really touched me as a child, and I always talk about it when somebody asks me the question you just asked me, is the fact that my father died, stepped into eternity at the age of 29, my actual biological father. Wow. And I was only about three months when my dad passed. And that did something to me. You know, it, in my mind, I didn't have identity, you know, and I had to break through that as I grew up and I had to grow up quickly. I had to grow up very quickly. I didn't, I didn't really have the, the benefit of taking my time, if you will. And yeah. I thank God for it because it, it's made me into the man I am today in business, the leader, and it's helped me to help others that maybe have gone through similar things as well that are in business and entrepreneurship. How old were you when your father died? Three months. Oh my gosh. Wow. Three months. Yep. Wow. So, I mean, then you never really knew, knew your father, I guess. That's true. That was what wow. I wanted for my Christmas present. I was born on the 26th of December. Wow. So my, my, my mother would always try to get me one present for both, you know, for my birthday and my and Christmas. Yeah. And uh, I always used to think in my heart, it's like, all I want is to sit down with my dad. Right? I just uh, want to have a conversation like every child does, you know? Yeah. And growing up, I had to deal with that. 
and I made a lot of mistakes, Ken, a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So, so in Danbury, Connecticut, is that a, um, is that a nice area? I mean, Connecticut's yeah. pretty affluent. Yeah. Danbury, uh, Danbury has grown over the years. Um, you know, like everywhere, right? Like everywhere in life, there's good areas and there's areas that could be better. Yeah. And, but Danbury for the most part is a, is a good town. And, but that's where you grew up going to school and everything. Yep. Yeah. Grew up born and raised. Wow. Uh, grow, you know, as I grew up, I, you know, went to school elsewhere. I went to college in New Jersey. And then I got my master's. I came back here to Connecticut and got my master's at Sacred Heart University. Wow. And so I did some traveling, but I'm still here in Danbury too. Dan, Dan, I, I'm here because of more, um, I guess you could say purpose. Yeah. And I do travel a lot, but Danbury is one of those towns where it's, it's a good town. You know, like when people live places and they're like, I want to move, I want to move, but yeah, I have gone places, but I'm thankful for Danbury. So what, what's your education background? What did you major in and what was, what's your master's degree? What What's that? All about. People, you know, people always ask me this and then they're like, well, how do you get the connection with what you studied with and what you're doing now? Um, so my, my bachelor's degree was criminal justice and my minor was socio sociology. And then my, ma my, excuse me, my, my master's was in cybersecurity. But the reason why I went into cybersecurity is because I wanted to work for the FBI. So when I graduated wow. out of my bachelor's, I, I was in a program and like an incubator and, you know, there was a bunch of like federal agents that came in and they did the training. And, you know, one of the, one of the FBI agents said, if you want to get into the FBI, go after cybersecurity. And I said, that's what I'm doing. And I got my master's in two years. And what's crazy is I didn't go to that. I didn't apply for the FBI. I didn't apply. I didn't even apply for government. I went to pri the private sector. I went to the private sector and I got a very good job coming out of college and then I started my first business. My first business I ever started was a cybersecurity firm. And I learned a lot about business, made a lot of mistakes, lost, made money, but lost a lot of money. And that was the background there. You know, what was the first business? It was a cybersecurity firm. Helping oh. people do, you know, cybersecurity consulting, understanding how to, you know, protect your business. Yeah. Uh, you know, vulnerability testing, which is a whole other conversation. And being able to really understand technology. That's why people ask me, like, how are you so good with tech now? And you understand all this because of my background in cybersecurity. I used right. to be the guy that used to stop people from hacking banks, right? And at that level. And I've seen a lot. I've seen a lot. That's why I tell people, is you got to keep your stuff secure. You yeah. got to know how to secure your business, right? From a marketing perspective, but also from an internal perspective. My buddy Joe Ingram's on here, yeah. vulnerable, and he he really he he means that he he yeah he's he's nuts. But so you know what's interesting is I I have um, a family member that's a federal agent, and there's this um, this thing that like I don't know how or why, but I'm in some huge database where all of these scammers use my photos and my daughter's mm. photos and scam people out of money using my photos. So one day I, I call this family member and, and they say, well, call the FBI and talk to them and cybersecurity. So I call and I talk to an agent and, and I was told, Oh, 
we get well over a thousand reports a day. There's really not a lot we can do about it. Yeah. I'm like, but you're the FBI. What? And so I, it's just overwhelming what's happening. So I, I agree. There's, there's, you've really got to secure. I mean, you know, there's, there's nothing you can do if you're going to use social media to, yep. to stop that. But you know, uh, it, it's, it's a real problem. Okay. So that's nothing like that's nowhere even close to what you do now. Like, no, it isn't. It isn't. No, and, uh, you know, not I still even have close. To... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, so talk, talk about after you, you had your first business, where, yep. where did you, did you go back to work for somebody? What did you do from there? No. So I was, I was still working at the firm and I had my business and then I started a, another company and, you know, Ken, I felt something in my heart where it was, it was like, I was called to do more and I was doing, you know, business consulting, financial consulting on the side. And it was getting a lot of people amazing results. And I felt like a burning in my heart. I felt like I can't explain it specifically, but I felt like I was on borrowed time and I felt a sense of urgency and I felt that I needed to move and I needed to move to release my gifts that were inside of me. You know, I was working full time, had a couple businesses on the side, making good money. I was very comfortable. Right. And as me being comfortable, Ken, I got complacent. And that's the enemy of leadership. I talk about it in my TEDx. And I got into a mm. car accident. I got into a car accident. And that car accident Whoa. was what I call the catalyst that got me to get out of my own way to say, I got to release this thing. I got to release this now. And within two days from my car accident, Ken, I started my third business, which is what I'm pr primarily doing now. And within three weeks from that car accident, I launched my first book in two languages. And that book, Ken, has opened doors for me that no amount of money could purchase. Right. And it was it was trapped there the whole time. And the crazy thing is, my book was supposed to be released a year and a half later, and I released it within three weeks. So procrastination was removed. And I'm very thankful for that car accident. I thank God for that car accident. I have the license plate here in my office. I look at it every single day. And it's allowed me to get out of my own way and to release what I have. So sometimes people are like, well, I know I'm called to do something, or I know I got to release a book or launch that nonprofit or launch the business or release the new project. But they're just, they're, they think they got all this time. And in reality, we don't have all this time. It's all perceived. Totally agree with that. My wife is watching, by the way. Awesome. So, so talk about the third business, um, which is, you said very, it's, it's what kind of what you're doing now, by the way, everybody watching, I, I literally yesterday got to experience this guy's genius. It's, it's, it's unbelievable. You're, you're so, so good at what you do. Um, but talk about what that is. T tell everybody what what it is you're doing now. Yeah, so we're all about creating a greater impact with the people we work with, right? Whether that's reaching more people around the world, but ultimately creating that impact, the influence, and ultimately increasing their bottom line. Right. And there's three S's that we focus on. So, and I have had a lot of people ask me questions on this, like, Israel, how do I unlock online growth? How do I scale? How do I reach more people? And it really comes down to these three S's, having the right systems in place, which you're big on this, Ken, right? You're, yep. you're a systems expert, having the right systems in place, 
to be able to position the actual brand properly. So that's, we do a lot of that positioning with systems. And then having um, the right, if you will, speaking strategy or how to tell your story, right? Or how to, how to leverage your story and your history to be able to create a bridge and a connection with the people you're trying to serve, right? Yeah. And then using social media, Ken, because as you preach, a lot of people are not understanding the power of social media. There's 2.9 billion people active on Facebook. There's about 2.6 billion people active on YouTube, about yep. 1 trillion or 1 billion people active on TikTok. And on LinkedIn, there's about over 600 million. I mean, this thing is social media. It's constantly changing. And there's so many businesses that are like completely disconnected from it or they're confused and they don't really know how to put their social media strategy with their systems and they're speaking together. And that's primarily what we do right now. And it's been, it's been awesome. It's been awesome. You know, I, this was maybe four or five years ago, maybe, maybe more. I don't know. I looked at, and I'll just, I'll say their name. I don't care that I don't think they'll sue me. Um, Kohl's, which is a multi-billion dollar corporation. Yep. And, and we were living in a little area in Ohio and I, I went to their local, their Facebook page. Right. And, and, it, and they have individual Facebook pages for each location, which I think is a good idea. They had complaints like people mm -hmm. commenting, complaining about customer service and all kinds of problems. And nobody was responding to these people. Nobody. Their their rating was was you know horrible. And I'm like, you know, there's so much red tape to get yeah. to the people that make decisions about that stuff, right? There is such a and and when I see that, I think I'm not going there. They have a 1.9 star rating out of five. That's insane. I'm exactly. not going there. I'll go somewhere else. And and I don't think that brands get that. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yes. It's it's the, you know, and, and this happens to a lot of companies, not, not only the specific company you mentioned, but, you know, they start growing, but then they start getting, you know, for lack of a better word, like careless. Yeah. And you don't pick up those fragments. You don't, and you don't have a structure where you're, you're able to spread your wings and, and still keep the same quality. And this is, I mean, even small businesses, a lot of small businesses can, yep. not even at that level. Like they have a social media, social media presence, but they don't manage it and right. they're missing opportunities, you know? So, yeah. I, I, I've, I know you've seen this people go, I just, I'm too busy. I don't have the time. And I always think about people like Grant Cardone or Gary V who these, these guys, Grant runs what 20 different companies or whatever. And, and he's hey, doing right. his own social media. He has a team also, yep. but he's doing his own videos. He's doing his own, you know, um, stories and reels. And, 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 and I think how can you as a business owner, or a salesperson, maybe you don't even own the business, but you, you know, make great money in commissions or whatever. How, how do you address that with your clients? When, when people are like, Israel, I just don't have the time to, to put into social media. Well, that's the number one thing that we do. We help people save time, right? That's, that's, that's save time with no hassle, being able to help them 
bypass the learning curve. And like, if, if, you know, we, we hear this all the time, right? If someone is going to go and get heart surgery, they're never going to go to someone that's going to be the cheapest. Nobody says, Hey, find me the, you know, the heart surgeon that's the cheapest in this, in this town. No one ever right. says that. They say, find me the best. Why? Right. Because that heart surgeon is going to help save their life potentially. Right. Yeah. So when it comes to bringing on someone to help you with any area of expertise, like I always tell, take the approach of, Hey, bringing on the best because they're going to help you save you time. Right. And the time savings alone are infinitely worth more about, you know, than any amount of money or effort. And yeah. when you bring somebody on that knows what they're doing, you, you don't have to take the time to, you know, to master the certain skill set. Uh, because social media, as you know, Ken, is constantly changing. Like the algorithm is changing daily on Facebook. Nonstop. TikTok, don't even, let's not even get started on that. That's a whole nother conversation. Uh, but Instagram as well. Instagram is a huge platform. Yep. Uh, and YouTube. I mean, YouTube, I mean, people are sleeping on YouTube. Like for the people that are listening, if you're not doing anything on YouTube, guys, YouTube is owned by Google. And right now, 2023, they're getting ready to take over. They're probably going to take over everything, to be be honest. And I said it here on your radio sh on your show first, Ken. YouTube, it would not surprise me. Within the next 24 months, they take over everything. Google's spending a lot of money. So Excuse understand, me. yeah. So understand if like if you're a business owner, if you're an entrepreneur, if you're a local business, if you're a speaker, if you're a coach. And you don't have YouTube a part of your strategy. Yep. Google is literally spending money to push out your content in front of the people that need it. So they'll yep. literally spend their money to put get you clients. I just saw that yesterday um, Google released their own version of Chat GPT, hmm. and and like they're really, I mean, it's Google. Come on. Like, yeah, you know, they're powerful. And, and, and again, I also know people that are like, no, I'm not, I'm not doing business with a company that big. Yes, you are. You will eventually <laughs> like they, they run everything when it comes to search and you're right, man. YouTube is so overlooked. We're yeah. live right now on two different YouTube channels. Awesome. You know, I, I, it I, yeah, I mean, I agree with you. I, I want to go back to, um, you know, I, I always find it a little bit curious that um, I, I think something, someone, some event, and you kind of touched on it, kind of pushes us into what we become as adults when we're children or what comes to mind for you? I mean, I know you lost mm. your father at three months old. Yeah. Um, but what do you think really pushed you into what you're doing now? I'm going to say this and this is going to seem a little bit odd, but I believe you're going to understand me. And I hope over everybody else listening will understand this. I grew up needing to understand. Like that I needed to become the man that I wanted in my life. So growing up, I had a problem with authority. I was very rebellious. I was very introverted and I, they even held me back in second grade, Ken. They said I wasn't developing properly. They said I was retarded, literally, quote unquote. Wow. And they held me back. And wow. 
they didn't understand me though. They didn't understand what was going on inside of me. What was going on inside of me, that internal struggle that I had, it was really just me being able to sit down with my father. That's literally all I wanted. Wow. But what it did to me, Ken, was it allowed me to develop what I wanted to see into a man. And I've had some great mentors. Oh my goodness. Great mentors, not only men, women as well. Right. And you know, like my mom, like I see my mom do a lot. Like it's not easy. That's why for single mothers, I have a, a special care for single single mothers and fathers because I know what it is. Cause I was, I lived through it. You follow me? Yeah. Uh, and so really me being able not to have my father, my biological father in my life, I'm really thankful for because it's allowed me to become the man that I needed in my life. And I go into the prison systems now because literally they said, this is what they said to me about wow. me growing up. They said I was either going to end up dead or in prison. They were right about both because I did die at the age of seven. You know, for those of you that want to listen to that story, the, the you know, the, and the TEDx, I talk about it. Dude, uh, talk I, about I, it. <laughs> You can't, you can't do that. How, what I happened? You died? Yeah. So I had, I, I drowned in, in a pool in Dominican Republic. I drowned in a pool. And then long story short, a man jumps in, pulls me out and disappears. No one to be found. And that was the moment when I was at seven, seven years of age that I knew I was like, okay, I know I should have been gone, but I'm here. I don't know for what reason, but you know, at then I didn't know what reason now I do. But at wow. that po point, I didn't know. So, so I did die. And I do go into the prison systems. We're part of a, a, a Protestant, um, uh, you know, ministry that we go into the prison systems. And I go in there because of COVID, things have been in a sta standstill for a while here. Yeah. Um, but I go to a federal prison here in, uh, in in Connecticut, and you know, I mentor mentor men that literally could be my father, like men's in their forties, fifties, sixties, seventies. Some of them are doing life. Some of them are doing like. A ridiculous amount of years they're never going to get out of there wow but others they have an opportunity of get, getting out and they see me as a mentor and it's weird because many of the clients that i have in our businesses like most of my management team could be my father uh wow. but you know many of our clients are in between like 40 and 70 like that range more of like people that could literally be my father but it's because i had to become the man that i wanted in my life so what, how, how, okay. How old were you when you realized that you needed to become the man that you wanted in your life? It sounds like you went through some, some crazy struggles growing up. Yeah. It, it, I, to be honest, Ken, I think it's one of those things that are operating like in our subconscious, like, like we're not even conscious about it. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, but, but the, the moment where I came to the realization, I want to say in my twenties, uh, where, you know, where I said, you know what? You know, and really where I had my first daughter, when I when when my daughter Abigail was born, I have four children now, uh, Abigail six, you know, I said, I got to learn how to be a father. You know, I have to, I have to, I have to, because I didn't have anybody, you know, I have my stepfather in my life. Yeah. But I never accepted him as my father until I was like 20 years old. Full disclosure, if I could be transparent. Yeah. I, I you know, I just like actually accept him and say, this is the man that raised me at the age of five. So and it was a struggle for me. But if I can be honest, it was just one of those subconscious things working where then you come to a realization. And you're like, wow. And I'm still becoming. I haven't arrived. I'm still becoming. And I'm still learning how to, you know, grow. And, I, and I'm always thankful, Ken, um, 
Jill, that's awesome, by the way. That's yeah, we have Abigail. Our 12-year-old is is Abigail. It's it's awesome. I love that name. Means so father's joy. It's awesome. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm I'm thankful for my three M's. People say, What are your three M's? My maker, my mistakes, and my mentors. Hmm. That's what allowed me to become and to break through, literally, through all the adversity, all the and it's still, I mean, as a leader in business. As a leader, actually stepping out there to do things, you know this, Ken. What I mean, we face adversity. Not everybody's going to like you in business. Some people are just not going to like you. Right. And that's okay. You have to be able to press through and have an identity that's rooted and grounded so you're not moved, right? Right. right. The more things change, the more you have to trust in the things that don't change. Wow. Totally agree. So, so you, um, would you say would you say that you had a chip on your shoulder? I would say that. <laughs> I did. Something told me. Something told me that 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 that, that I mean cuz I can relate to it. I um totally can relate to everything you're saying. Everything. You have no idea how much we have in common. So so Talk a little bit more about, because I, I watched you yesterday um, on a meeting with, with me and Craig Deswalt, and I was like, wow, this, this dude knows his stuff. Like, you really do. I, I, you know, at one point I was um, partners with Facebook, and, and I watched you do things with Facebook yesterday. I was like, I didn't even know you could do that. Like, wow, that's incredible. So where did, where did this, I mean, you don't learn that doing cybersecurity studies in your master's program. Where did this come from? Experience under fire, Mm. going through it, putting my hand to the plow, you know, everything in my business, we have a team of about 19 now by God's grace and about 26 in total. But everything in my company, I know how to do to a T. But I delegate. Yeah, you I do. delegate. But I know how to do to a T because if I'm really going to be stewarding and working with the people that we work with, and I'm not going to name drop, but we work with some very private clients, I need to understand what's going on, right? Attention to detail. And I'm thankful for my criminal justice background because as I was preparing to go to the FBI or uh, for the state police, one of the things that they instilled in me is attention to detail. So I've taken all those skills and brought them into marketing and what we do now and being able to, to leverage. So I'm, I'm thankful for all that upbringing and the process I went through. So, but Craig, it's under fire, uh, Ken, under fire experience, yeah. like launches, like getting into it, you know? You yeah. Know? Craig has a question there. What does delegate mean? I love that question. I always say, and I tell people, delegation and duplication equals multiplication. You will never grow as, you will never grow higher than your level of delegation. Now, if you want to generate one to $2 million Mm. by yourself, you can, but you're going to be overwhelmed. Right. Overwhelmed. Yep. Uh, If you want, like, the way businesses grow is primarily, like, past seven, eight figures is leadership development. It's building out leadership teams inside of your organization to do what you do best and to and like help your team get across. 
And in order to do that, you need to be able to delegate. The number one thing that keep is keeping, you know, people that are under a million dollars stuck is their 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 capacity to receive, their capacity to delegate, their capacity to believe that someone else can do it better than them. Which I know it's hard. I get there. I get it. I've been there, done that. But if you train, you have the patience, you have the proper systems in place, the training in place, you'll be able to increase, increase your capacity to receive. Because some of you business owners, you're not ready to receive an influx. If we turned on a system and got you an extra 100,000 leads, would you truly be able to sustain the quality with the quantity? Right. So true. Craig says, I don't delegate. He did yesterday, didn't he? Yes. So, <laughs> So, so, uh, and well, by the way, by the way, I understand Craig. Yes. Because most people have delegated in the past and they've been burned. They delegate yep. and they're like, how, why don't you like, I was telling, I was, I was, I think I was telling this to you, Ken. I, I said, when I took my wife out to a, like a five-star restaurant for our anniversary. And I was amazed by the level of service. Because sometimes you go to these five-star restaurants and they're really not five-star for those right. who have been, been to them. But this one, I went and I sat down and I was I, I had a question in my mind and a waiter comes and gives me the answer without me even asking. I was like, uh, thank you. And then there's something else that happened during the dinner and I was going to raise my hand and then somebody randomly comes, another waiter and says, here you go. And I'm like, thank you. And it happened like five times. I'm like, these people are thinking on our behalf. And that's exactly what we do. All we do is specialize and we think about problems that our clients and students are going to have before it even comes up. When you do that in your business, it's going to set you apart from everyone. Uh, okay. So let's, let's unpack this a little bit. Let's talk about, cause I, I love what you're talking about and I'm guilty of it. The, the business owners, you just said, if I brought a lot, most business owners, um, an extra hundred thousand leads, they'd be overwhelmed and wouldn't be able to handle it. Right. Exactly. Well, even, even, even an extra hundred leads, ever 500 leads, they wouldn't. Right. Why? Yeah. What's the primary reason? Is it because they don't delegate? Cause they it's, it, it comes down to it. It depends on the industry, industry number one, but in terms, if they're in service, right. If they're in service, cause if you, if you have a product-based business, like many of the you know, sometimes we we systematize someone's services to a product. That's you can scale that. But I'm talking about more service based, right? When you have a service based team, in order for you to serve more people, you need to increase the capacity of your team, and you have to have systems in place. What are systems? Well, systems ultimately build wealth. Uh, to give you one, SOPs, right? Standard operating procedures, like yep. actually step by step, like what to do, right? Um, KPIs, which are key performance indicators. Like, you know, you got to know, know your numbers. Like when you watch Shark Tank, right? What is the first thing they do? They grill you with the numbers. If you don't know your numbers, you're not getting a deal. Yeah. Most business owners don't know your, their numbers. Right. So when I sit down with somebody and they're like, yeah, I'm like, you know, I'm like, okay, where are you? And they're like, well, I'm at, you know, 30, 50 grand a month. I'm like, okay, well, where do you want to be? Well, I want to get to 500 grand a month. And I'm like, okay, how much does it cost you to generate a lead? And they're like, right. uh, 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 and they can't answer the question. Right. Right. Or, you know, how many people you have in your team? Well, it's just me or two other people. I'm like, well, okay. So you want to get an influx of, you know, yeah. 10, 20, 40 qualified leads. But what is that going to do to the quality of your work? Is it going to sabotage you? 
Right. So having the capacity and having the team and having the right systems in place is key before you scale. Okay. So I've struggled with this. Um, you know, I've, I've had a bunch of employees and I've had no employees, just me and yeah. my wife. Right. Yeah. It's always easier when it's just me and my wife, by the way, because we just, you've got control you. over all of the quality. Like there's no BS. It's just, you know, yeah. But, but <laughs> as, and, and, and normally, and I think you'll agree with this. Normally, if you're putting out high quality products, growth yep. is inevitable, especially if you do it in a timely fashion, right? 100%. But what happens is you're like, oh my God, I'm, I'm, I'm so overwhelmed. I've got to hire somebody, but I don't trust anybody <laughs> to do it the that's, right way, right? That's the key. Right. That, that so you how said do right you, there. how, yep. what's, how do because I don't want anybody watching to think, well, I guess I'm screwed. I'm disqualified to ever work with Israel. Um, like, like, how do you help people bridge that gap or or get to that place of being like, okay, here's the system, bam, 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 and yep. now I'm gonna hi start hiring people, bringing a team on, and and developing that. Well. We have a process called the Leads and Sales Challenge, right? And there's a great verse for those of you that know the Bible. It's it's in Genesis chapter one, verse twenty six to twenty eight. And there's a very there's a structure of growth in that verse. Like people think the Bible is a religious book, it's really not. It's a governmental book. But there's a lot of principles that you can learn from the Word of God. But in Genesis one twenty eight, it talks about a great concept, and I want to share because I'm going to break down literally the levels of growth for any business. Every business, every nonprofit has to adhere to these principles that are working without people even knowing. So the first step is being fruitful. There's a verse there that says, be fruitful. And then it says multiply. And then the third one is replenish. And then it's subdue, right? Mm. So when we look at those four levels, typically when a company is under a quarter of a million dollars, Ken, they still have to be fruitful. They're looking for more leads and they have to convert those leads into sales. That's what they're stuck right. with. But once they get past a quarter of a million, then they have to get to what we call the replenishing side, right? So they, they, they're fruitful with their gift, their service, right? They're bringing results in the marketplace. They multiply that, right? They multiply the good fruit because there's, there's, this is why I tell people, don't try to grow too quickly because there's a learning curve that you also have to in a foundation you have to build. When right. you're being fruitful and you're serving different clients and you're getting different results, that's the the step or the the phase where you should remove all the things that don't work. So then you only multiply the good fruit. But then number three, Ken, that word replenish is a very powerful word that is what you and I are talking about right now. Uh, replenish has to do with keeping the same quality, with making sure you have the systems in place. So typically what I found is when businesses get to the half a million dollar mark to three quarters of a million. So they're talking about, you know, 40 to, 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 you know, 60, 60, 65 grand month to month. They run into the problem where they're overwhelmed. They're doing everything themselves. They, so they need to take the time to build out the systems and to, you know, build out the KPIs and the SOPs and to hire more people. Once they get past that, Ken, the sky's the limit. 
Because literally, then they go into number four, when you look at Genesis 128, which is the word subdue. And the word subdue has to mean, has to do with the word take control or take dominion. So if you really want to dominate your market, dominate your marketplace, and you follow this four-step process, which we reveal and teach in our Leads and Sales Challenge, it really will give you the systems and the sustainability to scale. And obviously, I just broke down something very complicated. I try to simplify yeah. as much as I can. Sure. I can go very in-depth with each point. Right. But that's the overall essence. And depending on where someone is, you know, you implement the right medicine for them to grow. I, I invested $20,000 in a coaching program with, with Grant Cardone. And, yeah. and the primary thing that I got out of it was um, if you're going to scale, which you should be scaling. I mean, you know, Grant talks about this and I'm sure you do. There's no such thing as a flat line in business. Like you don't, you don't stay, you know, if you watch your statistics, if you're on a flat line, you're eventually going to go down. Flat line in the hospital means, you know, you're dead, right? Yep. So, um, <laughs> yep. And 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 he so he said, if you're going to scale, you have to develop a team. You have to bring on more people, and yep. that like keeps me awake at night, quite frankly, because because yep. I've I've had the team, and I've had the team that that I didn't didn't watch, didn't have the right systems in place. And, you know, I don't think they intentionally took advantage, but they, they did. And, and yep. things didn't go well. Um, what do you say to somebody that has been there, that's been screwed over that, that, or feels like they were screwed over? Honestly, I look at it and go, you know what? It's my fault. I didn't give them the right direction or guidance or whatever. How do you move them in out of that resentment phase of of I had all these people before and into the okay, let's start building a team and 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 expanding and and growing what what do you say to them? I would ask them a one simple question: Do you want your work to continue to make a difference fifty a hundred years after you leave this earth? Mm. I love that. If yeah. they answer no, then I just stay, keep doing what you're doing. If they answer yes. Yeah. I love that, dude. Love that. You're not, you, so you, you said I'm not going to name drop. You won't name drop anybody. <laughs> I mean, you've worked you mean? with some big, big, big names. Yeah, I just, I, I work with some big names, but I've also worked with local businesses. I mean, I mean, honestly, I like our team, like one of the things I'm very thankful for is the ability to be able to serve people that have one thing in common. It's all about the purpose. It's all about the service. Yes, we have helped people make a lot of money. Most what most people make in a year in just a couple of days or in a couple of years in just a couple of days. But that's not really my goal. My goal is to how can I, through our company, through our services, through the partners that we work with, the leaders in different areas of influence, make and create a ripple effect around this whole world? And that's what keeps me up at night. When I, when I got into my car accident that I got into about five years ago, when I came outside of that car, Ken, 
I really believe that what was deposited me into me when I was at the, when I died at the age of seven, because I, I was different when I died and I came back. It was like something put something inside of me. I believe that it was activated during the car accident. And that is a gift of acceleration, a gift of urgency. I can't tell you how many people I've sat down with, Ken, that tell me they're like, dude, where have you been my whole life? And I'm like, this is why I'm still alive. And I understood that the reason why I was given a second chance at my my pool when I when I when I when I passed yeah. was because of purpose. But what I didn't understand is that purpose is connected to another P that equals people. And truly, my partners, my clients, my students, my family is what I believe keeps me alive. So wow. I'm very thankful and grateful for it. Okay, so this this is I mean anybody watching if you have a business and you want to grow it um this guy is you get on one meeting with him for five minutes you you'll you'll understand um but you go into the prison systems you're not teaching business in prison especially to a lifer right yeah what are you doing in the prison systems it's primarily fathership, discipleship, leadership through the word of God, through it's a ministry, but wow. it's really helping these men get back their identity. Over 80% of them don't have their fathers, didn't grow up with their father. They died. They were incarcerated. They just left or their mothers. And it's, it's just a system that I, I want to do my part of making a difference. I want to do my part of eradicating the ignorance. You know, what is ignorance? Ignorance is not bliss. Ignorance is a lack of knowledge that typically destroys people. Yep. And many people are not clear on two things in life, who they are and why they're here. And they get distracted and they go, you know. So I want to do my part of destroying that ignorance and bringing light, bringing knowledge. The word knowledge is actually the word that's connected to the word light or illumination. And... I believe I have a responsibility of doing this. And I say this to everyone. You have a responsibility if there's a gift inside of you. There's knowledge and understanding. And you see other people struggling. You see a certain demographic struggling. And you're comfortable because you already reached the seven to eight figures that you got. And you're like, oh, you know what? I'm going to take it easy. It's yeah. a disjustice. Because there's other people that you can reach and you're selling yourself short. I said this to a guy. I went to go buy a property here, here in Connecticut. And I went to go visit. Uh, I was looking at real estate. And there was a guy that, that lived across the street. He was outside. Yeah. And I went to see the property and he, you know, me and him started talking, the guy's from Mexico. And I we started talking about business and he said, yeah, I have a business here. I have over 400 clients in a nearby town. And, you know, he's doing very good for himself. And he said, yeah, I could buy the house from cash right now. And, you know, bragging all this stuff. And I said, oh, that's cool. And I said to him, I said, well, what's your next step? Like, what do you want to do moving forward? And he said, oh no, I'm good. I'm comfortable. I'm just I'm just sitting around, you know, I'm good. I have all the money I need. I have my house. I have, you know, I'm good. I'm comfortable. I don't want to continue to grow. Wow. And I said to him, that's a selfish thing that you just said to me. I said to him straight up. I said, that's selfish. And I said to him, I was like, do you know how many people right now, children that you can help in Mexico, if you decide to continue to grow, even if you didn't need the money, you can donate it. You can invest, you can empower others. And I hope he took my advice and I hope he started to grow. And that shows wrong motivation. This is why when you grow a business and you grow a team, your motivation can not only be money. The money's important. You need to have the money. You need to create the money. 
but there has to be something that's greater than you and there has to be a bigger bigger vision so that's what i would want people to receive and to not sell them so short to think about the people that have been praying for them uh with the solutions that they have inside of them uh, so you can help deliver them wow amen dude that's amazing so so you said that you help them discover who they are and and why they're here and i think that i would imagine that the average human of the 8 billion people on this planet i would imagine the average person wonders on a daily basis maybe not daily but they wonder why am i here yeah what's the reason i'm here is it is it um just to serve god is it which i don't think that's why i don't god i don't think god has an ego problem where he needs me yep. telling him how great he is he knows he's god hopefully exactly he knows. um god is not insecure <laughs> no right he has no I ego was... no ego problem yeah right so what what do you how do you I'm I'm trying to think how to word this question, Israel. Um, how how do you help people discover why why they are here? Because I think everybody's here for a different reason. Hundred percent. Well, directly, we have a four step process. It's actually something that we go over in our challenge, where we actually debrief it on day one. Wow. There's four specific questions on helping people gain clarity on their purpose, wow. because purpose is something that is unique to the individual, but it's always connected to people. I have never met someone that is walking in the purpose that is not impacting the people around them or, or, or the communities or making a difference, like you said. Uh, so, and I also believe we need each other. Yeah. I think that there's been a, a, a misunderstanding and a lot of people think they can do it on their own and, and they're always going to be limited. Like one, if one can send a thousand to flight, two can send 10,000. So the partnership of math or the, you know, math's partnership is not just addition, it's right. exponential growth. Like one plus one does not equal two when you have a partnership. One plus one equals 11. Wow. I'm going to wrap this up pretty soon because I know you have a hard stop. Um, there, When my wife and I met 13 years ago, we decided to... Oh, we decided to, to partner up. I had my, my web development marketing business and um, we decided to partner up and we opened an office and I had a handful of employees and everybody was getting paid except for us. Mm. And, and one day a um, tow truck showed up to, to get my car for the bank. And it was one of the most humiliating moments of my life, quite honestly, standing in a parking lot, trying to convince the repo man not to take your car in front of all your employees is really a humbling experience. For the people watching that feel like they've given it everything, that they're, they're at the end of their rope that they, they don't know what, where, what else to do or what direction to go. What do you say to them? If they called you and said, man, I just, what's the point of even being here anymore? What would you say to them? 
I would tell them to cast the net on the right side. I would tell them to do it again. But this time with a mentor, this time with someone on their team that has already done what they're looking to do. That's awesome, man. Great answer. What do you think holds people back in life? From themselves. I'm from I'm talking about from wealth, true wealth, financial. Yep. Look, I've been homeless and I've been wealthy. Wealthy is way better. Yes. All right. So <laughs> it is, right? So yes. And yes. I, I think that people struggle with this. What do you yeah. think? Is and, and themselves is a nice general answer, but what it, what do you think is specifically stopping people from creating real wealth and and joy and happiness and freedom mm -hmm. in life? Well, I think wealth that definition, you know, a lot of people are not clear on what wealth is. The way I define wealth is access, and you know, you're getting ready to do a mastermind coming up. Oh my goodness. Most people that don't have access, they're already missing out on a couple hundred grand month to month. So yep. being able to get into the right room with the right connections, like I talked to you about the partnership stuff, yep. that's incredible. So people should definitely look up the mastermind that you guys are doing. Uh, we'll be there as well. And yep. it's going to be a great, a great, great blessing. But realistically, it's access. People don't really understand access. And they don't really understand money. So there's an educational side of things like being able to educate people on what money truly is. Money is not physical. Money is spiritual, right? So there's a teaching that we do called money is just like music. And people are like, what do you mean? Well, music is very relative, meaning someone may like, you know, fast contemporary music. Somebody may say, I love that type of music. Somebody else may say, I don't really like fast contemporary music. Somebody else says, I love instrumental. Somebody else, instrumentals, I don't like, I can't, I can't stand instrumentals. Right. Because it's a spiritual, music is spiritual. So everything that's spiritual only has the value that you and I give it. So money is the same way. To someone, a hundred grand may be a lot of money. To somebody else says, that's what I pay my payroll weekly. Right. Because it's spiritual. So understanding that financial intelligence is key. And then understanding what wealth truly is, which is access, access to the best health, access to the best mentors, the best cars, the best food, the best training, you know, et cetera, et cetera, is truly what wealth is. Which I, I'm, I'm, I'm pausing myself because I can go deeper, but. Dude, no, I, I, you know, and I know you can, I know you can go way deeper. I love that answer. That that's maybe the best answer. And I always ask that question. That may be the best answer of all time. Because I do think that you're correct, man. Like there's, when you have, when you have money, there's like, there's nobody that you can't reach really. I, I don't, I don't think, I, I think you're right, man. It's, it, that's a great answer. Well, one of so, my favorite guys in the Bible, um, you know, I do, I, I, when I train speakers, I talk about three people that begin all with the letter J. Joseph, jo uh, Joseph, Jesus, and Joshua. And one of the things about Joseph I'll share here is Joseph was in prison for 12 years. When you study Joseph's life, oh. he was in prison for 12 years. And he was a mentor to people in prison too. And at, at the age of 30, you know, I mean, you're talking about a guy that was in prison for 12 years. 
And then at the age of 30, he gets called into the palace because Pharaoh at the time had a problem of interpreting, interpreting his dreams. Right. And then, you know, Joseph had helped somebody for free. This is why sometimes you have to be able to will, willing to help people for free. This yeah. is wow. This is, this is going to speak to somebody. Sometimes you have to do that. You got to use wisdom in your business. He helped this man for free, the butler that was in the palace. So when the time came that the Pharaoh had the problem, the butler said, wait a second. I remember of a young Hebrew boy that helped me with the problem that you have when I was in prison and he helped restore me to this office. You should call him. And the story, to make a long story short, Pharaoh calls Joseph out of prison. And when Joseph prepares himself to face before Pharaoh, the story says that Joseph shaved himself and he changed his raiment. This shows us that Joseph was trained. He was he had mentors like Potiphar, his father. And then it says that when he went into the palace, Pharaoh said to him, he said, Joseph, I heard you have the ability to interpret dreams. And Pharaoh's answer is so amazing that I want to leave with everybody here now because it will help you increase your sales by far. He said to Pharaoh, he said, it is not in me, but in God who shall give you an answer of shalom, which is the word peace. And instantly Pharaoh was closed to the point where Pharaoh pulled out his ring, which represented all of Egypt's wealth, literally. I mean, if you took Egypt's wealth, you would have to connect it to the signet ring because it was the ring that the governor or the Pharaoh would sign everything, every declaration. There's no amount of money yeah. that you can pay for this, literally. A man that was in prison for 12 years, this is why when people have imposter syndrome, I tell them, you need to understand that your gift is bigger than your imposter syndrome. Here you got Joseph, a man that was in prison for 12 years, steps into the palace with a 10 to 15 minute conversation. Pharaoh invests his ring. Wow. This is why you need a mentor. This is why you need someone to help you get out of your own way because you're too close to yourself. And as much as effective as you are, as high level as you are, you could be, guys, we work with people that are up there. Doesn't matter how high you up, how how high you are up there. If you don't have somebody else objectively being able to help you see what you don't see, you're gonna miss things that are right in front of you. And it's a very dangerous place to be. So I encourage you guys to be like Joseph and release your gift. Wow. Dude, drop your mic. I'm just kidding. That was awesome. What a great lesson. That was awesome. Wow. Thank you, sir. I, 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 when you said those words, I instantly saw Joseph and I knew I needed to share. I don't know who's listening here, but someone needed to hear what we just said. Incredible, incredible wisdom. Now you guys hopefully understand uh, Craig and I have partnered with Israel on, on some stuff and, and dude, you are, you're amazing. You're amazing. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Thank you for having me. Appreciate you being here. I'm going to end the live stream. Where can everybody follow you? What's the best best place? If they go to IsraelDuran.com, you can find I have scrolling across yep. the bottom. IsraelDuran.com, you can find all, all access. I also have free gifts on there as well. Um, and yeah, we'll love, would we'll, we'll love to hear from people. I'll, I'll be looking at the, in the comments on this as well. Uh, awesome. If anybody has any questions as well, I'll make sure to, to answer. Awesome. Israel, thank you so much for being here. <laughs> Look, my wife, my wife, unbelievable interview. Thank you for being here, man. You're awesome. Appreciate thank you. you. Thank you for having me.
right. And you guys make sure you go over to israeldoran.com. It's scrolling across the bottom. Somebody type his website address with the www in there so it's clickable in the comments and um let's let's get him some traction and and get um the world needs to know this guy so thank you israel thank you sir see you guys have a great day